goal at this stage, you would imagine, might well be decisive. McGinn with the in-swinger! It's Lewis Ferguson from Aberdeen with 11 minutes to go. Is that the goal? Which takes Aberdeen back to Hamden for the final. Good evening and welcome to the latest AFC Here We Go podcast. We have got, uh, well, an action-packed show for this week, should we say. Unfortunately, we have to look back at, well, a bit of a shit show against Motherwell, but we also have the excitement of looking forward to the League Cup final. Joining me tonight, um, as always, I have Richard Hay here. How are you doing, Richard? I'm good, thank you, Martin. I have the cup final fever on. No, I don't actually. It's Thursday night, so I'm sure by the time Sunday comes around, uh, we'll be in a slightly more upbeat mood for it. But uh, yeah, there's been a, a strange lack of excitement, I think it's fair to say, and probably that Motherwell game has contributed quite a bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, we're also joined this week by journalist, Aberdeen fan, and of course one half of the fantastic stats and miniskirts. We have Jack Thompson. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing well, thank you. Still feeling a bit of a hangover from Saturday's performance, but that means there's plenty to talk about, so always good to be on. There is, yeah. I mean, this is the perfect opportunity to cleanse your palate of all the the horrible feeling um, from that Motherwell performance. Richard, I specifically wanted to ask you about this because there was quite a bit of chat on our feed about things about short corners. Naturally, the beginning of what leads to the first Motherwell goal comes from a short corner. Now, there were several mistakes in between the corner and the first goal, so it isn't just a case of people moaning about, oh, get it into the fucking box, men, that sort of thing. It was very slack from Niall McGinn. We don't know if that was aimed at Lower Logan, but it was. I think it was very interesting that something that people had maybe spoken about before the game was the thing that contributed to our f- concede in the opener. I mean, obviously, it's pure coincidence. The short corner thing was brought up during the week, yes, just on a kind of more general theme of how supporters, I think, of every Scottish club, probably every British club, in fairness, um, will always react with a bit of a groan when a corner is taken short and then doesn't quite come to anything. People like to see the ball, I think, thrown into the mixer rather than taken short, despite the fact that you're actually more likely to score statistically from a short corner or a worked corner. And we've had success this season from a short corner. Graham Shinnies against uh, Hamilton comes to mind, obviously. But yeah, I wasn't really expecting us to cock up to that degree on Saturday. In fact, I wasn't expecting us generally to cock up to that degree on Saturday because the poor performances we've put in to this point this season have generally They've been probably more of as, as a result of a, a tactical error, a, a formation error, which uh, to some respects in some of the prior games, he's been able to rectify at half-time with differing success. I, I'm looking back to away games at St Johnston and obviously at Tynecastle, when on both occasions a more attacking player was brought on for, for Don Ball at half-time and it changed the game in our favour. Whereas on Saturday against Motherwell, it was just a succession of individual mistakes from Aberdeen players that pretty much gifted Motherwell the goals. That's not to say that you know we deserved anything from it in the general run of play, because frankly Motherwell could have scored five or six before they, I think they eventually relented in the last 15 minutes. And we were so far out of contention all afternoon, despite 
Yeah, creating a couple of good first-half chances. But that first goal really just sums up the afternoon, I think, in a lot of ways. I have no idea what Niall McGinn's doing. And it's so such an inaccurate ball in field from him. It, it leaves us in immediate trouble. But I think there's another couple of mistakes which go almost unnoticed in the wake of um, the fact that Niall McGinn's part in that is so big. But I, I don't think Shea Logan does a very good job at all in trying to stop Johnson getting towards the, the Aberdeen goal. I, I think he's completely remiss in trying to stop him when he turns. And then I think you've also got Max Lowe. When the ball is picked up by the model player, Max Lowe's a good four or five yards ahead of the breaking um, second model player. Now, in the end, it didn't actually matter because obviously uh, Motherwell scorer went on by himself. But by the time he was then breaking into the box, Lowe was four or five yards behind the second Motherwell player. So there is the support, there is the option of the pass inside to make life a little bit easier and put a little bit of doubt into Joe Lewis's mind. Just, I guess it was one of those afternoons where the first goal turned out to be so crucial. I think that's a, f- a few fair points in there, Jack. It's, it's, it's very worrying how um, a, quite a few times this season we've seen us be in quite a, quite decent decent positions, you know, maybe a set piece, maybe a corner, and we've managed to it sort of it ends up coming back to the last defender, um, and we got really did get caught out the fir- in that first goal this time, didn't we? Yeah, we certainly did. I mean, it's it's a strange situation on Saturday because it felt like you know whilst we went, we didn't start you know at a frenetic pace or whatever, we kind of gradually looked like we were going into the ascendancy before that kind of mishap happened at the corner. Um, it's just one of those things, you know. I think it's more of a freak error than um, any need to kind of have a go at, you know, McInnes or or the team going for these kind of short corners because we do need to mix it up at corners, and I, I kind of understand and I can empathise with the players doing that. Sometimes, you know, it's close to coming off or something looks like it's going to happen, but you know, you tend to remember the ones that cock up more than the ones that don't, and I think that's probably what's happened here. Um, I agree with Richard in the sense that in the build up to that goal, it's not just McGinnis, uh, it's not just McGinn's slack pass. You know, you're talking, Danny Johnson's kind of, his control wasn't excellent when he's breaking towards goal. Shea Logan, he's at fault, but initially it does show him away from goal and you think he's starting to get under control and then he just seems to trip up over his own feet. So it was just a, it was just a bit of a calamity of errors of one goal, um, that was then mirrored. The rest of the afternoon after that, and it became a bit of a write-off, uh, and it's something that needs to be cut out. You know, it needs to be out of the system now. Looking ahead to the weekend, and I don't like that kind of attitude. It seems to have surfaced afterwards in terms of, oh, you know, this is a bad warm-up for the cup final. It, it's more than that. It's a bad result at a venue we need to be going and winning at. Motherwell hadn't beaten anybody in the league other than Dundee and St Mirren up to uh, last Saturday. They'd also, in the last league game, lost seven at Ibrox. So we are talking about a game that should have been three points on the board for Aberdeen, kept the confidence going. That you know Before you even talk about the fact we've got a cup final uh, on Sunday. So if the players' focus at all wavered on Saturday, it's inexcusable. Well, there was a lot of talk before the game about not looking ahead to final. McInnes was was very firm about that, saying if you look ahead, your heads won't be on the the, the task at hand. And at times during that game, the team you know, did look like their heads were elsewhere. I mean, at times it was like watching a pre-season game. You know, it was some slack, slack passing and things like that. Derek McInnes described it as an awful performance and to say two of the goals were calamitous. I would think to say only two is being kind to them, to be honest. 
Something that we'll come to later on as well is that I thought that you mentioned Logan for the first goal. Logan did not have a great afternoon, and that's something that um, Jack that will need to he will need to remedy very quickly because um, a, a repeat of that that kind of afternoon this coming Sunday we're going to be in big trouble, aren't we? Something we've seen from Shea Logan, or you know, it's certainly something that I would suggest we've seen from Shea Logan more and more in the last year um, or so. He's gradually losing his pace, but there's just seems to be more of a a relaxed attitude about him on the pitch at times, and it worries me that you know he's quite slack at times, and he kind of looks around at other other people and suggests that you know the blame's not always with lies with him, but his performances have been you know for a considerable amount of time have just not been good enough. And you were talking about the some of the players that we could come up against on Sunday. I've really got you know the ability to run you know run directly at him and cause him all kinds of bother. So. It's not, you know, I think there's plenty of things to be concerned about defensively for Sunday. Um, obviously, there's the, the issue of, of De- will it be Devlin or will it be Considine, but Logan is, Ro- Logan is really one that concerns me. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about our other full-back, and, uh, I mean, Shea's gone through spells, I think, where he's, a, he's attracted a fair bit of criticism towards the end of last season. Quite a little bit of heat on him in the eyes of some of the support, obviously. He's able to distract that with... Um, what happened post the Celtic game, and everybody, you know, rightly rallies behind him. I think in that situation, but uh, it's funny that again we we haven't really got any significant cover at right back. Potentially, obviously, Tommy Hoban was was brought in to cover a variety of uh, defensive positions, and maybe he was thought of as uh, as a sort of makeshift right back. I mean, earlier in the season when Logan was suspended, it was Don Ball who once again was thrust back at right back, and we really don't want to see that again. I think I speak on behalf of the whole Aberdeen support. Certainly don't want to see that at Hamden. Let's not beat about the bush here. If we're going to win on Sunday, every single Aberdeen player is going to have to play at the absolute peak of their game. And on Saturday at Motherwell, every Aberdeen player pretty much did the opposite. You talk about you know, summing up the game. I think that third goal was just the kind of thing that kind of defines the afternoon from you. Lewis Ferguson kicks the ball off a of Considine's back and it just falls to, falls perfectly to a Motherwell player. So I said earlier on it was a shit show. It probably wasn't even that good, Richard. Um, just the worry. The worry is, you know, I mean, do, do, is is the thing is a, a hangover a real thing? You know, are the players going to be looking back and saying? Oh, that was terrible. We need to improve. I mean, you mentioned the seven seven one game at Ibrox where Motherwell Motherwell have stepped up their game and put that behind them, and we're clearly you know they'd had a rocket from their manager. Is that something that perhaps McInnes is going to use to try and get the players to give him a performance? Page one in the manager handbook, isn't it? I mean, it's a standard football manager response to a, to a press conference. It's such a journalistic cliche to say you know the Dons are aiming to bounce back on on. Sunday. I don't want to get into the trap of taking Saturday's performance out of context and placing it purely against the, the cup final. It was a dismal display in a game that should have been three points on the board. It will be seen as three points lost, as I'm sure most of the other teams in the top half of the table will go to Motherwell and win. The most worrying aspect for me almost wasn't each of the three goals, which progressively got almost worse and more comic defending as it went on it was actually the lack of response after half time that that to me was the real worry 2-0 down at half time you really expect them to come out in the front foot and show a little bit of fight which to given at least some partial credit they had done at Tyne Castle obviously that was accompanied with a with a shift in formation what we got at half time at Motherwell 
was uh, James Wilson, again, not lasting 90 minutes and being taken off. Uh, I mean, he could, frankly, have been taken off based just on his performance as well because he missed a, a very takeable chance in that first half, as did Graham Shinney, putting on Cosgrove up front, and he was completely ineffectual, but he, he was not the only one. That lack of response at 2-0 down in a game which wasn't completely gone at that point was probably the worst worst aspect of a very, very bad Saturday afternoon. I think the worrying thing for me is from Saturday's game is, you know, when you see us go 2-0 down, you, you, for me anyway, I can't see what we offer in an attacking sense or a creative sense is going to get us back into the game. Um, it's something that perhaps, you know, has been evident in games that we've won as well, um, but you maybe don't concentrate on it or focus on it too much because... You know, you pick up, you pick up the points. You're getting a goal from a set piece or not? But so often on Saturday and other games, I've seen Lewis Ferguson kind of be relied upon as the as the Kenny McLean or the, or the Ryan Jack in recent times and, and drop deep and turn. You know, looking to you know ping a quick ball out wide or that. But so often or not, it, it ends up at the fullbacks and it works back into the centre halves and then it gets lumped long and and that we just don't seem to have. Um, a certain kind of style of player identity that we've had in an attacking sense in recent years so that would be my main concern about the performance from Motherwell and going forward not only in the cup final but this season as a whole Yeah Jack it, it's spot on I mean for all we're delighted at uh, what Lewis Ferguson has offered us this season and uh, brought to the table it's still an inc- a huge black mark against McInnes' squad building that uh, we're left in a situation where we're having to rely on a 19-year-old kid to play that role in the centre midfield. And inevitably, he's going to have poor games due to his age, due to his inconsistency that's going to come with that. And, you know, by no means was he worse than any of his teammates on Saturday, but uh, it's, it's a glaring error on for the third goal, which speaks to his inexperience. You know, the fact that a guy who's 29 and has got like a decade of top, uh, of decent experience in Stephen Gleeson hasn't, has seen 19 minutes of action in the last 10 games. I mean, what the hell's going on there? I mean, last season he held his hands up and admitted he got his recruitment wrong and he was going to fix it this summer. It looks like he's got it even worse this summer. Yeah, and it, it still it certainly does. I mean, I ask big questions of Derek McInnes' recruitment, um, you know, whatever scouting system he has in place that he's, He's, uh, he's brought in two, two centre midfielders who have seen you know absolutely no no game time and, and you're relying on these guys to come in and, and we would have thought we would have seen them you know as ever presence this season whether it involved you know maybe Gleason as a holding midfield and Forrest as an attacking midfielder and that's just not happened and that's you know it's it's probably played a, a significant part in, in where our performances have been at because we're relying on them being big players and they just haven't been and we're now in a situation where other players, players that maybe you wouldn't have wanted to put too much pressure on, such as Lewis Ferguson, are having to step up and, and kind of take that burden. Well, I think the only way in which we're going to successfully get away from the events of Fur Park from last week is to speak with the creative genius, and I don't use the tour about the term genius loosely, uh, behind the wonderful Graham Shinney song. And if you haven't heard... What J.J. Bull has unleashed upon a unsuspecting Northeast public, here's a snippet. Graham Shinney has the power of a seagull, yeah. A mighty bird, half man, half gull. 
And when he makes the tackle, well, he takes his man to get a yellow card so he can build his nest. And on the pitch, Chinny will make us win. And we sing the song that every seagull loves to sing. We've got McInnes and you don't you think we'll lose? We maybe won't, cause we've got Graham Shinney. Graham Shinney has the power of a seagull. Strange words, strange, powerful words. Not our words, but the words of friend of the show, J.J. Bull, and his latest opus, the inescapable cut final song, which he's penned to support the mighty Dons this weekend. J.J., it seems wrong to reduce such a thing of beauty to this mundane question, but uh, what was your inspiration? Uh, I thought it would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really go much more than that. It just, yeah, you know, it just sounds silly, and it came together very easily, I think. It's just... I must have been, I must have had the power of a seagull myself to help write it, I don't know, something funnier than that. <laughs> I'd have thought after all the interviews this week you'd have a slightly more polished answer to that, JJ, but that, that's okay, that's okay. Yeah, I was thinking that, I, was, I, was on, I did a bit for TV yesterday, it should be on TV tonight, Friday, um, and I'd had the questions already and I thought this would be fine, and I was just standing there in front of the camera going, actually I don't have an answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> You see, your amateurism is very much at home here. Uh, on the telly, it might be a little bit different. Anyway, but it's not, of course, your first foray into football uh, pop music crossovers. Fans of your, uh, what shall we call it, offshoot project, fit by that bar, will have known this for quite some time. Uh, they say most music journalists are frustrated musicians. As a football journalist, are you both a frustrated footballer and a frustrated musician? Uh, I am below average at football, and uh, I don't know, I'm okay at music. Like, I do it as a sort of a second job, but, I mean, I'm nowhere near good. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever make any money out of it properly. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, probably yes. I'll say yes to your answer, yeah. Fair enough. It was a, a dumb question. Anyway, but once you weird, we, uh, once you weed out the weirdos taking it seriously, uh, the reaction's been pretty amazing, hasn't it? Uh, oh, even yeah. even Kenny Miller's been a fan. Well, at least yeah. a fan of not directly insulting you whilst you shared a radio show with him. Well, I was trying to work out whether that was him or Yogi, actually, because their voices sound quite similar on the, on the uh, phone. No one's voice sounds similar to Yogi Hughes. Come on. <laughs> well, I couldn't really tell. Um, it, the reaction to it has been absolutely brilliant. It's been so funny. There's some people who hate it. Like, I don't understand how you can hate it so much, because it's clearly silly. But these folks have said, like, it's cheesy, and it's uh, uh, so cheesy, and, like, uh, totally cringe. It's, like, that's, it's the entire point of the song, is it's a, you know, a parody of that stuff. Clearly it's meant to be silly and a bit of fun. So I don't know why people have such important lives that they have to get upset about it. But apart from the folk who hate it, there's been people who seem to love it, and a lot of people have told me that they've been singing it, although they wish they weren't, and uh, I- I've absolutely loved it, yeah, it's been really fun. Social media, isn't it, JJ? People got to hate something. <laughs> yeah, it's better that than actually hating me, I suppose, if they hate the song, that's fine. <laughs> I think uh, it's, because I've not been in Aberdeen, I-, I don't know if it's it- it's inescapable, like, I have no idea. I, I just see it from London, and it's been shared, like, a amount of times, so many shares on Facebook, so many retweets, there's been a few people who've just lifted it and posted it to their own Facebooks or their own YouTube or whatever, and I was, uh, I went through a while trying to make them take it down, but I just thought, people might as well just enjoy it, it's not going to harm me if they steal it a little bit, I suppose. 
No, but it's still quite cuntish behaviour, let's be honest. It is very cuntish, yeah. <laughs> like, a certain radio station actually did it. I had to email them and tell them not to do that. I couldn't believe it. Like, it's copyright infringement. Anyway, um, yeah, it's absolutely... It's been amazing how much people seem to have got into it. It played on the radio today, like, I was on the, it was in the paper. Really fun. Uh, we feel a kind of dull obligation to discuss Sunday itself. So, uh, are we doomed, or will the power of a seagull save us? <laughs> uh, it's difficult this year, isn't it? We've been playing... The way we've played this year has not been fun to watch. I, I don't know if it's because McInnes didn't manage to get a number 10 in that he doesn't then play one. But I think when you play May and Wilson up front together, it means that we lose an entire midfield from the team. And then the ball gets humped long... So it just comes straight back to us. Celtic are playing really well. And if Aberdeen don't keep holding the ball and keep knocking it and don't... I mean, if you go to man-to-man marking with them, you're in danger of getting done because they have the better players. So you then have to keep the ball. But if you're set up defensively and you don't have anyone to, that can keep it and take us up the pitch, we're just going to be relentlessly pummeled. And I just really hope it doesn't turn into one of those games where you regret how you started the game. JJ, thank you for your time. Thank you for your uh, musical beauty, really. I think it's, <laughs> it's what we have to go with for sharing that with the world. What a, what a joy. What a joy. Uh, and uh, if there's not uh, a, a, the whole end at Hamden singing that full time on Sunday, then, then frankly, the Don support will fail me. Oh, man. If you hear of anyone singing it out loud <laughs> in your life, I would love to see the video. Honestly. I can't go. I have to work. I'm just so gutted I can't go to it. JJ, thank you. Cheers, guys. Have fun. Jack, I'm not quite sure how we follow that precisely, but uh, it does move us on to talking about the cup final. Now, for, obviously, it's a fourth cup final under Derek McInnes, and for all the criticism he's probably rightly faced, really, this season, uh, there surely got to be some credit for getting us back into that mix, making us regular contenders on the big stage again. You could look at it too. That ways you could look at it as you know Derek McInnes has only picked up one piece of silverware in the time he's he's been here, or you could look at the fact that he's consistently had us getting to semi-finals and finals of cup competitions. Um, I think at times, uh, I mean at times, poor performances and big games have, have let us down. Um, you know, look at last season and the semi-final against Motherwell um, of the, the Scottish and. Um, but then, you know, at times we've been unfortunate with who we've had to play. Um, so we've had Celtic in the past where we've not performed well against them, you know, in the League Cup final a couple of years ago when we lost 3 now We've had where we've, you know, performed really well against them and still still been unfortunate um, just in terms of not having the same quality and fitness that they have. Um, and here we are again. We're in a situation where we're playing an informed Celtic, uh, and we're up against it. But credit to McInnes for getting us to this stage. Um, but what he's got to do to get us—I mean, it's very unlikely that we're going to come away with a trophy um, in this one. But it's—it's it's going to have to be a near perfect performance over 90 minutes. I don't think we can afford to take it to extra time, um, if because we, we just don't have the same—the same. The same fitness levels in our team so it's going to have to be a near perfect performance both defensively and we're going to have to rely on possibly nicking a goal um, so it's, it's a big ask but you know we'll just have to see go out there and, and see what happens Where do you stand Jack? Obviously there's going to be no doubt should we fail not that I want to contemplate the 
the prospect of us losing yet, people will say, oh, we, you know, we've bottled it again, or we shat the bed again, or whatever delightful phrase they want to use. But the, the bottom line is, this is a team with £8 million pounds being spent on wages against a team with £60 million pounds being spent on wages. It, it's, a, it's clearly going to be a very, very tough ask to win this. And it would be, it would be a huge achievement were we, were we to win it. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, I think the the majority. I mean, maybe I, I don't want to speak for too many of other people, but I remember you know when we we played them in the Scottish Cup final and they were having that invincible season and they were a completely different animal Celtic at that point that they are now. Regard, uh, not even the the seasons before that. You know, Brendan Rodgers had completely transformed them. Fans generally seem to be going into that game with a sense of you know this. We just want a performance here that shows, you know, we've gone toe to toe with them, and I, I feel that fans would be forgiven if they got the same again. If we turned up and we just went toe to toe with them for ninety minutes, and I don't want to say kept it close, but you know, put in a performance where we just went for them, you know, we we kind of matched them over the pitch, we showed what we're capable of, and you know, at the end of the day, after that, that's all you can really ask for against a team that is able to go out and spend however, however many millions on the striker that they did in the summer and. You know, the likes of Johnny Hayes warming their bench, who's a former key player for us, and and you know you've seen players like Ryan Christie come on our game, and, and these are guys that we would just we you know love to have having our having our team. It's it's a big ask, and you know you've you've got to kind of appreciate the, the depth or the you know the, the gulf and funds that exist between the, the two teams. But as a one-off match, you know you you try and get at them. You, there's been plenty of teams this season. Or a few teams this season, anyway, that have, that have shown it is capable, it is possible to get a result against Celtic, particularly after uh, the European travels. Is it three games in which they've dropped points on the back of a Thursday night Europa League game this season? So it's, it's possible that they might be a bit off the ball um, on Sunday. That's something that you've got to hope for. But um, for us to have any chance, we're really going to have to go in with a very, you know, rigid and disciplined game plan and hope to get them at a set piece or a counter-attack. Yeah, it, it's been curious, hasn't it? Because I, I see a lot of people kind of hoping, you know, hoping we line up to attack them, but realistically, our best chance is going to be to be cautious, to try and frustrate them, to try and get to the last quarter of an hour goalless, isn't it? I mean, or even better than that, maybe a goal or two up, or obviously ideally four or five nil up, but you, you know what I mean? It, it, <laughs> our best, our best way of winning this, realistically, is not to go and try and attack them, and people surely must understand that, or do they? I think so, I mean, I think, I think there's got to be an element of, there's got to be a sensible approach to the match, the problem is we can't afford to, what we've done in, in plenty of matches against Celtic over the years is We've not pressed them, we've let them pass it around pass it around and we've tried to soak up the pressure and we've relied upon getting, you know, getting a break of the ball. We need to press them in areas of the pitch, we need to make them rushed and un- uncomfortable as much as we can. So that's what I think the difference has got to be. We've got the games that we've played well against Celtic, we've we've really pressed them, we've got at them. But the problem is that comes from the front and uh, I can't really see tell who would be the best option to start up top. Um, let alone execute a you know a, a successful game plan um, like that where you want to press them all over the pitch. So I don't know. There's there's so many question marks surrounding our squad. You know, you, you maybe would have said against Motherwell that that would have been roughly the the starting lineup you wanted to see in the cup final. Now it's a, a completely different ballgame because of that performance. There's certain positions where you don't even know who the who the best person to play is. So it's going to be a tricky one. 
Yeah, the team was uh, just about beginning to pick itself up to that Motherwell game, more or less, uh, injuries notwithstanding. Certainly up front, I mean, the only striker who's uh, in anything approaching form is Bruce Anderson, and that's not a top team level, although he has obviously done well in the limited time he's had. And with the best one in the world, Bruce Anderson is not going to start the game on Sunday, and... uh, James Wilson seems to be getting further away from match fitness the more he plays, which is ridiculous, but that's kind of where we're at with him. I mean, obviously, there's always the potential for one of these guys to turn themselves into a very unlikely hero, but the routes to victory that I could see fairly clearly in the semi-final, obviously against a far poorer opposition, I'm just not seeing here, unfortunately. Uh, And that's partly because, in the interim, certain players have proved themselves... They're not unknown quantities who who might do it. They're kind of more known quantities who are almost certainly not going to be able to do it. But hey, I'd, I wouldn't be going there on Sunday if I, if I didn't think and hope and uh, believe that we have a chance of winning this. I mean, we uh, McInnes's record overall against Celtic is is very often lambasted, but it's, it's coming in at roughly twenty percent, one win in five. We've probably got a slightly Lesser chance than that come Sunday because um, it's a cup final. Because you imagine Celtic's focus will be uh, absolute. It's still a, a fighter's chance, a puncher's chance. The game at Parkhead has got to give us a little bit of hope. I thought we competed very well there. I, again, we weren't too open. Despite playing with two up top, we did come close to, to getting at least a draw that day. And I suppose that will be the blueprint, inevitably. The only thing that concerns me about... Um a Celtic team or you know, under Brendan Rodgers they've had a very professional approach to um, you know cup finals or big games uh, they rarely slip up they, they they pass the ball around slickly they, they, they move it well um, and so it's, it's for a team like ourselves it doesn't really um, seem to be anywhere near as composed in possession um, or as able to move it around as freely it's going to be difficult and um, but you never know. I mean, we, we all, that's why we all get our tickets. That's why we all, you know, pitch up in the pub at 12 o'clock on match day or whatever. Or, um, it's because, you know, we, we live in hope of getting that result. So we'll see. We'll see how we go. I think it's, it's, a, there is that dilemma of who to play up top. I don't want to see James Wilson play again because I don't know. I don't, I, I don't understand what's going on there. He doesn't. He, he certainly hasn't um, come across as a as a, a Premier League level player, um, you know, or a player that's this kind of worthy of the of the club that he's come from. He doesn't even look like he's he's a top six Premiership player um, from my point of view. And then Cosgrove, the way we play with Cosgrove in the team is. Is detrimental, I think, at times because instantly we feel the need to play it long, yeah. you know, for 90 minutes. And so that's kind of, for me, leaves it just by default that we've, we've got, you know, misfiring Stevie May. Um, but he's, he's the only option for me because he's, he, he's got a bit of movement. He, to be fair, I mean, he, he, you know, he, he works his, he works his arse off. Um, it's just, it's just, can you rely on him, um, having the instinct to, you know, if the ball drops them in the penalty box and, you know, to do what Adam Rooney used to do or whatever, probably not. But at the moment, he, for me, seems to be the only the only option going into this game. 
Yeah, and I guess the other fear based on Saturday is that he tries to really stiffen up that midfield and we see Don Ball wandering about in there again, which is, is not something any of us really want to see, I, I think. One issue we obviously have, guys, is that you know, McInnes has been a little bit coy. Um, Devlin is, is still a doubt. Um, he obviously missed the game against Motherwell last Saturday. Without having to pick pick one to eleven, if if Devlin is not available, worst case scenario, how do you see us approaching approaching the game in terms of a lineup? I mean, you've just mentioned there, Richard, about not wanting to see Dominic Ball, and you know, and so say all of us. I, I wouldn't want to see us approach ultra cautiously. On the other hand, without arguably you no know, our best second best defender, you have to kind of compensate for that, do we? I would imagine it'll be as it was on Saturday in a straight straight swap, more or less, for Consoline, who's obviously also left-footed, which brings its own problems. I do wonder if everyone had been fit and available. And well, listen, we we've seen him rule people out before. I recall Mackay Stephen. I think it was ruled out before one of the games towards the end of the last season and uh, ended up playing. On this occasion, as I understand it, Michael Devlin is is nowhere near being ready. For Sunday, but this could all be—he might be fit and he might play, and he might be man of the match and score the winner. And let's all hope that he does that. But and I do wonder if, if you know the first choice centre half pairing had been available, whether the change might have been a bit more cautious and a bit more bulky at left back to put Considine in there uh, rather than Ryan Lowe. Yeah, as it stands, if it's if Devon is going to be out, I think it will almost by default be Andy Considine. And to be honest, I'm not someone that's had huge issues with Constantine at left back. I think he's done very well there. Sure, occasionally wingers have had the better of him, but generally speaking, the wingers who are on seven, eight, nine times the wage of Andy Considine and players that you would expect to get the better of Andy Considine, he's generally a very solid option at left back. At centre half, I, I, I've never really been that convinced by him as a centre half throughout his Aberdeen career, unfortunately, but. I suspect that that is what we'll see on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously we hope that Devlin's fit because he and McKenna look to have established a very solid partnership. But, again, let's face facts. Celtic should win. Celtic players should be able to get the better of our players head-to-head. It's going to be difficult for us, and it's going to require everyone playing at the absolute peak. Celtic to be off their game. It's going to require a whole lot of scenarios coming right for us and it's, it's actually just incredible the amount of wind one result, one performance can take out of our sails. Because, you know, whilst Jack, I don't think anyone was excitedly beaming about the football that was on offer. But people were really, really, I think people got a huge lift from winning that semi-final. And it showed in how quickly the final tickets went. And obviously we, we backed it up with good wins at Kilmarnock, good win it against Hibs. And then to come back after the international break with that, it, it just deflates everything, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I think, you know, I mean, can't um, take away from the fact that, you know, that, that win against Rangers, getting a, a win against, you know, that particular opposition really gets the fans going. It gets some positive feeling, you know, feeling good about things again. It gets them behind McInnes again. Um, and so from there, you know, we, we look to be building a, a bit of impetus, a bit of momentum. Uh, regardless of the of the fact that performances were still a bit, you know, iffy, you know, we're just got to put hopefully put Motherwell down to being, you know, yet another blip, and and fingers crossed, you know, that'll be out of the mind come come Sunday, and they'll, and they'll be able to kind of play with a, 
Ethereum that a cup final or any kind of cup tie offers because it's a completely def- different occasion to you know your your kind of average Premiership fixture. You know the fans are behind you. There's there's that level of atmosphere and there's a lot of, a lot at stake and it's, it's it's kind of do or die for 90 minutes. So we've just got to hope that the the team go into that game with the attitude that you know it's 90 minutes. You know we've shown over 90 minutes that we can match Celtic before, so why not again? So you know what you have in the space of like 30 minutes, Jack. You've helped. You you have you've brought on a mild case of cup final fever with me, and uh, between uh, you know yourself and, and just discussing, just actually having some time for the first time, I think, because that motherwell defeat took a long time to leave the system, and actually looking ahead properly to Sunday. Between that, between obviously JJ's magically weird hymn to Graham Shinney and to well to Seagulls as well, lest we forget the other inspiration behind that, uh, and obviously the the great work as. Um, you will be seeing um, over your social media sites and indeed in public across the city of uh, Red and White Day. A lot of the pre-publicity for that maybe came across as a bit corporate-led, a bit, uh, you know, businesses and so on and schools. And But seeing it out in the streets, seeing um, the creativity that's been brought to bear on that. And knowing that again on, on Sunday there'll be a, a tremendous, no doubt, display from the Red Army display team. And all the credit to them and everybody that's uh, putting money to support that and everybody that will be at Hamden uh, on Saturday afternoon to set that up. Our thanks if you're putting aside time and or money for that. Uh, it's really appreciated and it, it always looks fantastic. I'm sure Sunday will be, be no exception. So all these things together have made me at least suspend belief temporarily and uh, yeah I am l- looking forward to Sunday I- I'm maybe not looking forward to the Johnny Dane and the company of Martin but th- there we go we- we'll get over that we'll live through that won't we Martin I'll be cho- I'll be choosing the music so we'll we'll we'll, we'll agree to disagree there won't we yeah I'll be taking earplugs on <laughs> we've all I think we're all feeling a bit of cup final fever um just wanted to share with you with you Richard as well that um I was talking to my my, my son about it and he says he's had a dream about the game Gary Mackay Stevens going to take a shot from outside the box. The Celtic keeper is going to fumble it, and we're going to win one nil because Stevie May is going to score the winning goal. So obviously now I'm going to have to put a bet on that. So next week, you know, I may be a millionaire. I may not be. Um, we'll just have to see how it goes. But cup final fever is definitely it's definitely taking hold slowly but surely. A few drinks on Sunday will certainly help with that as well. I'm get I'm excited already. I'm always excited about about finals and. Not necessarily trips to Hamden, but, you know, big games like this are always good. So that's our show for this week. Richard, I want to thank you as always for coming on. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, really. Yeah, you might uh, rethink that after Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jack, uh, it's a pleasure to have you back as well, back again as well. Hopefully we won't leave it so long next time. Yeah, no, thank you. Good to be back on. It is. It's great to have you. So all that leaves me to say is, one more time this week, is come on, you Reds. We're going to win the cup final.